Hey, and welcome to another episode of Unlocking Business Potential, your business and advisory podcast backed by BDO Taranaki. As always, I'm Melissa, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kelsey. How's it going? Going good. How are you? Good, good. Now, I think we have an episode today that's uh, pretty buzzy with what's going around at the moment, and uh, there is a lot of conversation about crypto and crypto assets and crypto property and cryptocurrency they're all words that we're hearing a lot about in the media and possibly don't know all that much about absolutely these are the buzzwords that are coming around you're hearing about these people making significant amounts of money off what they're calling crypto and for most of us me included without having done a bit of research prior to this episode we're just not not clued up on what crypto is. It kind of seems like this thing out there in the the universe, or as some call it, the metaverse, in which we just don't quite comprehend it. So the point of this episode today is to break that down, give you a bit of explanation as to what crypto is, who's using it, and then we've also later on the episode brought on a special guest who's going to give us more of the tax consequences, and that's going to give us some really key insights when making these crypto investments. Before we get stuck in, I just wanted to throw in our usual disclaimer that the information contained in this podcast is general in nature and is no substitute for tailored advice specific to your particular circumstances. If you do need advice, make sure to touch base with your usual advisor or get in touch with us at melancal at bdo.co.nz. All right, before we get into the nitty gritty of the tax consequences of crypto, I think we kind of need to define what these crypto property assets are. So Kelsey, what is crypto? So from my very limited research, we've come to the conclusion that crypto assets are essentially purely digital assets. They use public ledgers over the internet to prove the ownership of each of the assets. Very dissimilar to most other property transactions in which you've got a house which would have a title on it which would tell you who owns it everything crypto related is all on the internet and just not quite similar to any other investment we've seen in the past absolutely it's something that's kind of come out of nowhere but i guess with the internet it was inevitable that there was going to be some form of digital property that was going to pop up and i think that's what we're seeing now these digital assets that exist kind of without having any form of physical embodiment. That's true. And it just feels so strange to own something that you can't touch, which is very, very strange for most of us. Yes. So I guess the next thing we kind of want to talk about is who's investing in this stuff? Like you hear as a buzzword, so you just assume it's all us millennials who are in there with our smaller amounts of money and just pumping into crypto. But I don't know if that's necessarily the case. What are your thoughts, Melissa? I mean, there definitely will be those people that uh, have jumped on the bandwagon. They've heard the word crypto thrown around a few times and, you know, seen some of the returns that these people are getting and probably getting involved. Um, So that probably is a few people out there that have jumped on board. But probably some of the things that attract people to the likes of cryptocurrency or other crypto property is that because it's out there in that metaverse, it's not actually controlled by one central organization, such as a single government or a single 
organization that's looking over it. Lots of people who are skeptics of stuff like that don't really want to be investing directly with a bank or a foreign currency. So this is the alternative for them. Yeah, exactly. It just means that there's kind of anything. It's kind of open to anything. And that that creates both its opportunities and its issues as well. So it kind of is a flip side just as any other investment would have its pros and cons as well of being controlled by a central authority. Absolutely. And we kind of looked into that earlier and we thought, so what would be the benefits of having something that's decentralized? So we thought about it's almost like a hedge against inflation because with most tokens, there are supply caps, which essentially prevents a central organization from generating more and more and more. So you're stopping that that problem with inflation, which we do get from the printing of money. Absolutely. And again, because it's out there in the metaverse, it's essentially available to anyone in the world, not limited to their physical location, is that it kind of isn't tied to a single country's dollar value and therefore what their inflation risks are. So it kind of takes away some of those risks that come with currency and inflation when we're limited to borders with with countries and different territories. Absolutely. It is really exciting from that perspective. It just seems like something new and with the potential to make some pretty cool growth. But of course, it has its downfalls and of course, it has some tax consequences. So talking about crypto and the tax consequences, which I'm assuming is something that all you're really wanting to hear about, we've been able to have us join on the podcast, one of the tax advisors here from BDO. We've got Mark Loder. Morning, all. How you going? Afternoon or evening, depending on when you're listening. That's right. Yeah. So we've got you on today, Mark, because you've, you've been the one who's kind of taken the bull by the reins here at BDO, haven't you? And just about looking into the taxable consequences of crypto investments, right? Um, yeah, correct. I think um, if you talk to anyone at BDO, they're going to have a good idea of uh, taxation in the world of crypto, which which is quite definitely evolving as people and um, legislators learn more and more about it. Perfect. So I guess when we talk about crypto as a, like, property or how we're treating it the key thing is to kind of think about how IRD is really viewing an investment in crypto so how are you finding IRDs classifying any investments in crypto okay so this is where you get um, there can be some confusion so we 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 tend to refer to crypto collectively of as um, crypto assets of which you can have many uh, many component parts. So you've got your currency, you might have some tokens, you might have some virtual graphics, etc. So we, we, we refer to them collectively as crypto assets. Uh, there is some confusion because, uh, for example, a Bitcoin, it sort of is used, looks like, feels like a currency and might be called a cryptocurrency. However, Inland Revenue's view at the moment, I don't see it changing particularly, is that from a tax perspective, crypto assets are treated in the same way as if they are property. Property, not currency. 
Yeah. And I'm guessing that's meaning a whole different variety of tax rules compared to if it was classified as a currency. I guess if it's classified as a currency and perhaps more of a foreign currency, we start dipping into those um, perhaps positions where you might be taxed on an unrealised basis. For example, you've got a, an overseas bank account um, with foreign exchange gains and losses that are running through it. Those gains and losses can be taxed on an unrealised basis, but we're not here to talk about that. Um, so we are focusing on the fact that it is property and we actually do have um, well-founded legislation already within the Tax Act uh, that deals with the um, buying and selling of property, if you like. Mm, and that's interesting. So I guess what people are probably hearing from yours is that there's already some legislation that's telling them that they are going to be taxed on profits from crypto. I guess that's the big question on most people's minds. Yeah, and I think um, let's if we go back to the evolution of Inland Revenue's view and how, how crypto assets have changed in their application, uh, Inland Revenue's view that you, was that you could only have bought, say, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, for the purpose of disposal. It had no other value other than hold to sell mm -hmm. and hopefully make some money along the way, and therefore it's taxable. Uh, this view is not quite quite as stringent as it was. I'm just trying to think how would how best to how best to start this. How about how about we just identify the taxing provisions and then we can start looking at how they might be applied. Mm -hmm. yep. So in the first case we've got legislation that says if you bought property for the purposes of selling it, then the proceeds are taxable. So that's sort of designed to capture that one-off speculative transaction. That, that might be a Bitcoin, but we've got to, you've got to be really careful with the application of it. So it talks about property acquired for the purpose of sale. So there's quite a distinction to be made, perhaps, between um, a person who bought a car knowing that they can do it up and sell it versus somebody who bought a car to primarily use it and then perhaps sell it in the future. Mm -hmm. Under the former case, they purchased the car to sell it as a speculative transaction, yeah. taxable. Um, that was their primary, primary or dominant reason for purchasing the car. That's what the purpose is focus, focusing on. Um, the latter case is we might have an intention to sell the car in the future, but it's not our dominant purpose. So if you apply that to perhaps a Bitcoin scenario, um, Originally, with a Bitcoin, all you could do was buy it, hold it, and sell it. But Bitcoin has now, or crypto, the world of crypto, there is such a thing as staking. Mm -hmm. So what's staking? You are able to effectively, it's almost like a lending scenario. So again, it feels like currency again. But you're making your crypto available for somebody else to use. And in return, you might receive some sort of a fee or reward akin to to like interest. Mm -hmm. So the fee or the reward would be taxable, but the sale of the crypto itself in the future might not be because your purpose of acquiring it was to stake it. Your purpose wasn't to ultimately sell it. Does that make sense? Yeah, is that much the same as buying shares in a company with the intention of receiving dividends rather than buying shares in a company with the intention of making a profit on an increased share price? 
Correct. Yeah. And it's the same as what we had with um, uh, land taxing provisions, that somebody may have acquired a property for investment purposes uh, to derive rental income versus someone who's doing a speculative one-off sale, which would be caught by bright line, but that's another, another discussion. That's right. So it sounds like IRDs almost kind of changing their perspective than they initially had when we just had your bitcoins where they were essentially saying every transaction in crypto is taxable whereas now there is the potential that it depends on why you're buying or why you're investing in crypto assets correct these these rules are largely focused around what was in the mind of the taxpayer the mind of the taxpayer is going to trigger the taxation of that particular piece uh, that particular property crypto so we've got we've got two other provisions that are probably useful just to just to cover off. So if you've so the first one, have you bought or purchased the property for the purpose of resale? The next one we have is whether or not you've undertaken, and apologies for a bit of jargon here, undertaken a profit making undertaking or scheme um, with respect to that property. So did you have a plan? Is it more it's more akin to a business type uh, scenario, but did you have some sort of scheme, a plan, a process, an attack, or whatever it is, to um, make a profit from holding this particular investment. Uh, this one is a little bit scarier because it does contemplate that a profit-making undertaking or scheme can exist during ownership. Mm -hmm. If we contrast that with purpose of you bought property for the purpose of resale, that means at the time you bought it, did you have that purpose? Whereas this profit-making undertaking or scheme, that can occur during ownership. And that definitely worries me. Yeah, so you can buy, buy some crypto assets with the intention of just holding them as an investment tool rather than something that you're going to make a profit from sale. And then while owning that, that asset, you've created a business venture essentially in which you can monetize some value from it. And now it's taxable, even though initially when you bought it, it didn't look like it was going to be. Possibly. There's a bit more probably to tease out on that. There is, I mean, these provisions are not new. So there is case law around with respect to other property, not crypto, obviously. Yes. Um, but yeah, there is, and I think we just got to be a bit careful. It does have a business element, but our final test is: Are you in the business of mm -hmm. buying and selling that particular crypto asset? So, if you've got volume of transactions, frequency of transactions, the quantum, are you collecting all the relevant financial information? That starts to look and feel like you're in a business. Mm -hmm. And I'm certainly aware that there are products out there. Uh, digital digital based products which will help the person um, collate and gather all their all their information and I know that they can deal with tens of thousands of transactions so tens of thousands of transactions um, taking an exaggerated position is very much looks like you're in the bump you're in the business yeah you're in the business of buying selling crypto yeah, and that's, that's much the same. I think I feel like with all these crypto things, we can relate it back to other sorts of asset holdings as well because that's much the same as property. If you buy one house and do one house up, it might not be taxable, but if you're doing 10 in a year, it seems more like that's a, a pattern and like an actual investment tool, isn't it? Correct. 
Correct. So there's there's a few prongs of attack that the inland revenue could um, challenge or seek to tax a crypto transaction. You've got your one-off speculatives, which are your first two purpose of profit-making undertaking scheme, and then you've got your normal business test uh, that can creep in. But it, they, these tests are very subjective in application. Mm. So, I mean, it's it's your classic case is if you talk to a taxpayer, did you buy this to sell it? And the answer is going to be, no, I didn't. Great. So the question is, what, what are the circumstances surrounding the, um, the, firstly, the acquisition, and secondly, perhaps the sale? So if I think about perhaps a person who, let's, let's run with a, let's, let's look at non-fungible tokens, mm-hmm. which to me, um, I sort of simplify it as perhaps they're a baseball card, a digital baseball card or something, some sort of graphic. So the, 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 perhaps the inland revenue's default position is that if you've only hold it for, held something for a short period of time, then you've probably bought it to sell it and it's taxable. So with your NFT, uh, perhaps somebody paid $10,000 for the NFT, and it might be, and I am aware of... Um, there's there's one in particular this NFT which is which is an ape takes the form of an ape. Mm-hmm. Perhaps they paid ten thousand dollars for it, and then in a year's time it's worth one hundred fifty thousand, and they sell it. Is that taxable? Well, it's only been held for a short period of time, uh, probably a high risk. But the question is, is how have you have you really understood why the why that particular NFT was bought in the first place? It might well be that this person. Um, has a hobby um, of gaming or something, and this particular graphic can be used or image can be used in the game. There are also other things that often follow an NFT, and I know this one in particular, they have actually tangible places where members can go and meet and talk to each other. So this is bricks and mortar, and they can go and visit a members, uh, members hall or area. Um, there are all sorts of things running through this which might indicate that the actual purpose of buying the nft in the first place was it's part of a hobby and the fact that it's now worth one hundred and fifty thousand dollars or whatever it is it might well be that it's just so expensive that the hobby is just too it's just worth too much for me to continue to hold it um i can think that uh, i think from my personal situation if i i might get away with spending um just um, some money on an NFT, but if it's suddenly worth $150,000, I think my, my wife might be saying to me, uh, Mark, you might want to sell this because it's $150,000, what are you doing? Great for your hobby, but hey, this is quite, uh, it's now feeling like quite an expensive one. Yes. So there, you need to really understand the circumstances behind why something might be sold and and you know you could look at it in another way as well if you actually delve in deeper maybe the person who held the nft even though they're looking to hold it long term what if they fall into uh financial difficulty which is forcing their sale mm-hmm. that's another circumstantial piece of evidence which would um, be used as a defense as to why i didn't buy this with the purpose of resale the, the resale was forced upon me because otherwise I was in, I was in financial difficulty. That's very true. So it sounds to me like there's definitely a lot of caution that needs to be taken around crypto assets when looking at a tax stance on it. 
So do you think it's definitely something to make sure you're talking to an advisor about so you are getting the proper guidance on it? Um, look, I think I think it's always with taxes, we're, we're becoming more and more complicated. And when you're talking larger dollars, then it's always worthwhile certainly talking to um, a suitable tax advisor so that at least you're walking into an acquisition with your eyes wide open or you're protecting yourself um, with the truth. So if you are buying crypto or an NFT as for a non-fungible token picture of the ape as part of a hobby, then I think it would probably be worthwhile just documenting that making sure that there is some evidence somewhere along the way that says I bought this for a hobby and then if you did buy it as a hobby did you actually use it in your hobby because there's no point saying to me hey I bought this eight because I'm going to use it as part of the game and then I go well how often did you play the game oh, I didn't play it at all yeah it starts to do you know what I mean it doesn't make sense so Documentation with these types of things is normally key from experience with other types of property. It makes um, sense. Yeah, so it's it's a. Um, I don't I don't want to. It's, it shouldn't be about putting words in people's mouths, but I think you've got to be very careful with what words you do say, if those words could be ambiguous as to your real intent or purpose. That absolutely makes sense. It's just you're you're not faking your intentions behind it but it's just actually having some evidence to support your actual intentions rather than having to reconfigure that later if it does come under scrutiny 100 percent correct yeah that's right and i remember you talked earlier and something i did want to double back on is if so, we're assuming that we've engaged in crypto assets and it has been taxable. And I know you talked back earlier about currency and when it is taxable. So that's probably a key thing is when do you actually get taxed on the sale or the holding of crypto assets? Yeah, so the, the, it is slightly different from other forms of property. And I think um, you might have alluded to shares, maybe foreign investment funds or something, which can be taxed on an unrealized basis. But uh crypto assets it's the the triggering or the crystallization of the tax is on a sale mm -hmm. we're, we're not taxed on an unrealized basis so we're not taxed just from holding a holding in crypto assets that's gone up in value until we actually sell it correct and likewise if we're investing in crypto and it's a taxable activity we would only be able to realize losses if we've sold the property as well correct yeah yeah, no, that's really good to know as well because that essentially can help with timing of sales and purchases as well. Exactly. I think um, the lot, it's an interesting one. I think um, everything is so subjective. So you can see, you can see situations where um, profitable sales will be argued as taxable and uh, loss-making sales will be argued as non-deductible. So you got you got the flip around of the arguments as as and when. I think in particular with cryptocurrency though, um, it will probably be more more apparent that perhaps the individual is in business if they've got high volumes of trade, and therefore losses more readily available. Well, that does from a taxpayer's perspective. You would hate to know that you're going to be taxed on any profits, but any losses just kind of get lost per se. So. I guess you'd quite like the security of knowing that either way it's going to be incorporated. 
Yeah, yeah. If it's um, if it's something that that, that generates taxable income, then uh, the loss would likewise be uh, deductible. Well, that's perfect. Thanks so much for giving us a bit of an overview on the taxability of this. I know that with crypto being relatively new and us having to rely on other property provisions rather than just a legislation of its own for crypto, it is a bit tricky. But I'm hoping that your insights have been able to give our listeners just a bit more of an idea so that they can be probably a little bit more clued up on how their, their investments in crypto will actually impact them as well. Yeah, no, um, that's no problem. I think as a, as a final comment, I guess, that the, these rules uh, have evolved over time and perhaps it would be worthwhile just highlighting that what you thought today might not be the same tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So there is, there is a huge amount of subjectivity in those rules, so it wouldn't be unreasonable perhaps to foresee a perhaps a bright line type test for crypto assets, perhaps depending on how far, how how important uh, they, well, if they continue to be really important in today's world, mm-hmm. and whether or not the inland revenue is having uh, too many arguments such that we need to build in a bit of objectivity like we have for land. I think as well, and just looking at overseas, the overseas position, it would be uh, again reasonable to assume that a taxpayer who is in a loss position at the end of the financial year, 31 March, might be inclined to realise their loss on the 31st of March, i.e. sell their asset, crypto property, and then immediately buy it again on the 1st of April, being the start of the new tax year. Uh, The sale will crystallise the loss and be able to be used, and then we immediately buy back and put ourselves in a position as though we had never sold it in any event. I mean, you're running the gauntlet with property or price movements, obviously. Um, But we are seeing that overseas there's um, what they call a bread and breakfast type anti-avoidance legislation that says if you sell a crypto asset and then reacquire that crypto asset within 30 days, the original disposal, which would crystallise the loss, is ignored. Yes. So it's, a, it's an anti-avoidance. This isn't in the legislation. I'm just thinking what might happen in the future. And that's exactly what you've said, is that we can't just go on what today is. Like, this is ever-evolving, and as it says, the importance becomes greater. We definitely need to be ensuring that people are getting the appropriate tax advice that applies to them, especially when it comes to things like that, where potentially IRG would be cracking down on what they would call anti-avoidance. Right. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much again for coming and joining us today. Um, Any questions obviously can come through our office here or via the tax team within BDO National, and potentially you might be in contact with Mark if that's the case. So I hope that any questions do get through to any of us so that we can give you a hand with this ever-evolving property investment. Good stuff. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unlocking Business Potential. If you enjoyed what you heard, head along to your favourite podcast app. Like, rate and subscribe so you will receive notifications when future episodes are released. And if you do have any questions or are in need of tailored advice, please do not hesitate to contact us at melancal at bdo.co.nz. We look forward to joining you next time on Unlocking Business Potential, your business advisory podcast backed by BDO Taranaki.